the man that breaks in. Suddenly sneak up on you. Standing up there trying to figure out how I'd lay off an elevator. Yeah, you were. I can't. Jose Mota's going to join us at 630 Dodgers analyst. You have an answer for that? Well, what? Elevators. Fastball with two strikes. Do I have an answer for it? Yeah, I'd love on the back leg line. Tell us if you have the answer to that. I'd love to hear it. 416-413-3959. I'd love it because I have no idea what the answer to that is. To laying off? The elevated fastball with two strikes. You know how many smart people have sat around yeah. With left-handed hitters on their team, and tried to figure that out, and have no idea. But doesn't it just how to figure it out? Doesn't it just get back to the real simple idea that if you can't do damage on a pitch, don't swing at it. Yeah, you know. Now, now some would say, now this is just. I hate to. I hate to with, you know, make this to where it's yeah, not yeah, the yeah, smartest yeah, of yeah, answers. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Don't get to two strikes. Well, hit the one that's right the one down that's... the middle. Don't foul that off because you got too big. You're trying to pull everything instead of staying in the big part of the field with backspin. That's a JD. So you don't that's a JD ism. That's a JD ism. Stop telling me. Stop Some... telling me I had a great at bat because I fouled off four pitches. Some the would... second one I fouled off is the one I wanted to hit. Some would say that. Yeah. No, that is a. Uh, that is very true. Uh, 10-10 will be the first pitch tonight. Chris Bassett against Julio Orias from Dodger Stadium. Buck and Dan will have the call for you on uh, TV, of course. We can also catch it on Sportsnet 590. The fan. Tomorrow's game is a 4-10 first pitch. Yusei Kikuchi against Tony Gonsolin. Uh, Kevin and me will be doing Blue Jays talk. Kevin and I. Kevin and me. Kevin and myself. Kevin and Blair will be doing Barker and Blair. Blair and Barker will be doing Blue Jays talk following the uh, game uh, on the Sports you Network. You that. Stop it. Uh, it is a week away from the Major League Baseball trade deadline. And uh, we've spent, God, it seems like the last month and a half talking about the trade deadline yes, here in Toronto. That's all we're doing. That's all we're doing. <laughs> And we're no closer to knowing what the hell's going on. That's why we're bringing on Mark Feinstein, because he is the executive reporter with MLB.com. He is an MLB network insider. And he, in the next 20 minutes or so, is going to clear everything up for us, right? Yeah, this is not going to go well. <laughs> um, okay, I gotta, I'm going to make it easy for you. Let's, let's, let's just say Shohei Otani and move on. Uh, the Jays. Blair, I mean, you, you've known me long enough to think that I, if I have all the answers a week before the deadline, yeah, you true. know that's not yeah, true. That's true. I just like to build. <laughs> I like to build my guys up a bit here. But anyhow, that's just me. Um, the Jays need a middle of the order bat. They just do. Uh, the lineup doesn't work. The lineup doesn't hit with runners and sky. I mean, the lineup has been the lineup has been the lineup has been the lineup since opening day. This lineup, as it is currently constituted, does not work. Is there anybody other than Cody Bellinger that makes an impact as a position player, that moves the needle as a position player? He likes Oscar Hernandez. He might be on the move. Um, I don't know. They're really, you know, the one problem with this deadline right now is – You've got, I'm actually working on a piece right now about this. You've got 14 teams looking to buy. Mm -hmm. You've got eight teams that have no idea 
if they're going to buy or sell. That leaves eight teams as sort of lock, surefire sellers. Most of those teams don't have players that fit the category of what you just described. Mm-hmm. So, um, you know, unless the White Sox are going to move to Jimenez or uh, the Cardinals are going to decide to move Goldschmidt or Arenado, uh, you know, anybody on the Tigers, Royals, A's, Pirates, Nationals, or Rockies that really interest you and fit that middle of the lineup kind of guy. So I'm not sure there are. Um, you know, you look at the the teams that are on the proverbial bubble. I mean, the Angels have a guy you mentioned before who, if he were to be made available, uh, teams would just line up and try to throw all of their prospects at them to get Shohei Otani. I don't think Shohei Otani is going to get moved. Uh, the Angels have put themselves in this sort of false hope situation of, uh, you know, winning five of their last six and getting back into the wild card race and at four and a half out. They play the Tigers the next three days, so that could be even closer. Uh, and Artie Moreno desperately wants this team to get back to the playoffs so they can show Otani what, what it would look like if this team could actually win something and, um, you know, improve their chances of trying to bring him back. So I don't see that. Bellinger, if the Cubs decide to sell, Bellinger certainly fits that bill. If the Padres decide to sell, could they decide to move Juan Soto? Maybe. I'm not sure the Jays have the prospect capital to, to do what it takes to get him. So I don't know that there are any big impact bats to be had if Otani is not available, um, which is really one of the problems that those you know, 14 or 15 buyers are, are running into. Uh, Mark, do you think the Blue Jays would be better suited to just eliminate that thought process? Because if you're not getting Cody, I mean, there's a couple of teams that might have more to offer the Cubs to get Cody than the Blue Jays could offer. You just mentioned, would it be easier or more beneficial for the Jays to try and load up on, say, a seventh inning guy, an eighth inning guy, and then, I don't know, maybe another uh, number five starter that can give you some length? Make more sense? Yeah, I mean, there's plenty of those guys out there. I mean, you know, relievers, as we know, uh, are always a plenty when it comes to the trade deadline. And, you know, you look right now, even at the teams that are looking to sell, um, you know, Scott Barlow from the from the Royals is a guy who people like and have interest in. Brent Suter from the Rockies is having a really nice year. The White Sox have a couple of relievers. The Tigers have a whole bunch of relievers. Um, so, yeah, I mean, I think that is certainly a – a strategy that could work. And there are some outfielders that are available that aren't necessarily middle of the lineup guys, but certainly guys who, um, you know, would be a bit of an upgrade, whether it's a Tommy Pham or a Randall Gritchick, uh or somebody like that. Um, you know, I think those guys will get moved and, um, and there will certainly be, uh, you know, teams looking to, to add guys like that. But, um, you know, unlike, previous years of recent memory when you've seen Soto moved or Manny Machado moved or, um, you know, big, big bats like that. I just don't see them. So, yeah, I think a lot of teams are going to be looking at that sort of add around the margins and try to strengthen your bullpen, try to strengthen the back end of your rotation and see what happens. Now, Mark, in your uh, article in MLB.com, uh, Suter's a guy that you connect with the Blue Jays and also Jordan Hicks, which I found uh, intriguing. First, I, I mean, we've talked about this, the need for power arms at the back end of the bullpen. You just had Buck Martinez on it. He listed that as his first priority, even with the fact that Chad Green, uh, that Chad Green might might be returning here. What is Jordan Hicks and, and how much of a, 
how much of a project would he be for a team like the Jays? Like, what could you just stick him in right away and, and away he goes? Or because, you know, there was a lot of concern about him earlier this year in the part of the Cardinals. Yeah, I don't think it would be a problem at all. I mean, since uh, May 8th, he's got an ERA under two. Uh, he's, you know, since he took up back the closers role, he's, I think, eight for nine in saves. Uh, and he's, you know, right among the league leaders and, you know, average exit velocity, strikeout percentage. You know, he's inducing self-contact, getting a lot of strikeouts. I, I don't think, you know, I think he's going to be a plug-and-play guy for whoever gets him. Now, the Athletic just reported that the Cardinals are trying to sign him to an extension, mm-hmm. uh, and if they're on, and if they're unable to do that, then they're going to trade him. So uh, that's something to watch here in the coming days. You know, the Cardinals, uh, John Mazzalek came out last week and said, we're going to trade some guys. And so you look at Jordan Montgomery, you look at Jack Flaherty, Jordan Hicks, uh, maybe Paul DeYoung, a couple other guys, you know, Dylan Carlson, Tyler O'Neill. There are plenty of guys there for them to move. Uh, the question is, who will they move and how much will they cost? But, no, I think Hicks is a guy, I wouldn't say he's the best reliever available in the market, but I think he's in that second tier. You know, part of me wonders, I, I look at the Blue Jays, I, and I, I think back to the kind of trade deadline Alex Anthopoulos had at 2021 where he added what he added, Jorge Soler, Eddie Rosario, Adam Duvall, Jock Peterson, and, you know, they, guys who, I mean, gosh, I think at one point they had, what, 12 of their postseason home runs were hit by those dudes. Um, you know, Eddie yeah, Rosario. That pretty well. Yeah, that, that, was a, that was one of the best trade deadlines uh, any general manager's ever had. But at the time, it kind, people kind of thought, okay, well, you know, Alex is bringing in guys that are, you know, uh, well, we'll see if it works, basically. I don't think at the time everybody thought it was necessarily going to turn into what it did. Um do you see a scenario this year where a team might try to do that? You know, the idea that, well, we're not going to go out and get that one big bat, but we're going to go out and get a couple of guys that change the complexion of our team, make us tougher to pitch to give us something we don't have. Even if it's not an all-star caliber player, if the dude gives us something we don't have through approach or skill set or whatever, we'll make it work. Yeah, you know, and the thing about those three guys that, that Alex got that that year in 21, I believe they were all free agents at the end of the year. Yes. So it was like, all right, I'm going to load up on these expiring contracts, try to get the most we can out of them for two months and see what happens, and obviously it worked great. Um, you know, that's why I mentioned guys like Sam Gritchick. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, Adam, Adam Duvall from the Red Sox is, is supposedly available. You know, they've got a, a an overload of outfielders at the moment, so – you know, with him going to free agency at the end of the year, that's another guy who could get moved. Um, yeah, I think certainly adding guys like that, again, it's not the big sexy name that's going to come in and dominate the headlines, but if it's better than what you have, that's all you're looking for. Um, you know, and, and so, you know, the Jays could look at, at what Dalton Varsho's done this year and say we still like him long-term, but we need some upgrade in left field right now. Uh, and maybe Adam Duvall or... Uh, you know, or Gritchick or Fan or one of those guys can provide that. Um, so, yeah, I think when you don't have the big name, that doesn't mean you can't get better. And I think what you're going to see a lot of these teams trying to do in the next seven days is just exactly that. Add on the margins and come away from this deadline Tuesday night at 6 o'clock Eastern uh, with a roster that is a little bit better than the one you went into it with. What do you? Th- which team do you think will make the biggest splash at the deadline? Um, I mean, I think the Dodgers need pitching. Uh, you know, they're it's they're in first place. Everybody says, "Oh, the Dodgers are loaded." 
yeah, they're loaded in their lineup. Their pitching, their starting rotation is a bit of a, a train wreck right now. You know, Kershaw's hurt. Arias has not been great. Um, and, you know, they've got some other injuries. So I could see them doing something. I mean, the team I would like to see make a big splash is the Orioles, just because they're they're just fun. Mm-hmm. And, you know, seeing all these young guys, I know fans in Toronto may not want to hear this, but, uh, you know, seeing this young team come together and put together the season they've put together, I was skeptical, not of the young talent. I mean, I loved what they did last year. They had a great second half and really showed people that they were, uh, you know, on the way. Uh, but I was hoping that they would do a little more in the offseason, and they really didn't. And now here they are with the second-best record in the league, and I would love to see Michael Elias go out and, um, you know, sort of try to fortify that roster with another starting pitcher or two, uh, you know, just try to – trying to give them a better chance come October. If I had to pick one team, I think it's going to be the most aggressive. I'm going to say it's going to be Texas, though. Um, you know, they're, they spent a lot of money the last two off-seasons, right? You know, Seager and Semyon last year, DeGrom, Evaldi uh, this year. And the fact that they're in first place and doing what they're doing without Jacob DeGrom is nothing short of miraculous. And I think they could go into this deadline saying, we need a starter, maybe two. We need another reliever, maybe two, and they they could really bolster that pitching staff and uh, you know give themselves a chance to hold off the Astros and then and then make some noise in October. Because when you look at the top teams in the American League, you know there are no Braves, there are no uh, you know sort of powerhouses. You've got young team in Baltimore, you've got a mediocre team whoever comes out of the Central. Uh, you'll have the Astros. You'll have, you know, maybe the Blue Jays, maybe the Yankees, maybe the Red Sox, maybe the Rays, but none of those teams are going to overpower you. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think if the Rangers go out and make some pitching moves and put themselves in position, you could argue that they, they could go to the playoffs as the best team in the league. Mark, the uh, Subway Series will resume tonight at uh, Yankee Stadium. Which of the two New York teams, the Mets and Yankees, and I'm sorry, the Mets or Yankees, will look the most different after the trade deadline? Well, different. Uh, I think different they, they are right now. Different. Sorry, I think they both could look a little different. Although I would look at them going different in opposite directions. I think the Mets are likely to sell some pieces off, mostly expiring contracts. You know, David Robertson's been just fantastic this year. This is one of the most overlooked relievers in the league. I don't mm-hmm. think people sort of appreciate how good this guy has been for as long as he's been. Uh, you know, since he came into the league in '09 doesn't matter what role you put him in, sixth inning, seventh inning, eighth inning, closer. He just goes out there, gets it done. He's 38, and he's having another phenomenal season. He's the free agent at the end of the year. I think he'll be, you know, unless the Padres decide to trade Josh Hader, I think uh, Robertson's probably the best reliever moved at the deadline. You know, Tommy Pham and Mark Canna, uh, I think the Mets will, will unload some of their expiring or maybe, you know, guys with one year of control, some of their relievers. I don't expect them to, to move Scherzer or Verlander or any of their big bats. Uh, the Yankees, I expect to add. You know, I think they're they're looking for a catcher now that uh, Jose Torino is out for the rest of the year. Uh, they're looking for some help in the outfield. All those guys I mentioned earlier uh, are candidates to you know to be that guy, uh, whether it's Grichik or Carlson or uh, somebody like that. And I think they're looking to add a starter and a reliever. So um, you know, the Yankees, I think, are going to add a significant number of people. Again, might not be the big names, but they will add to make their roster better, and I think the Mets wind up subtracting. Uh, what's your best guess as to when we see Aaron Judge in a major league game? 
Um, my best guess, and it is purely a guess, would be next week. Um, you know, the, he's taken, you know, he's taken BP. He's run the bases. He's done all the things you're supposed to do to get to this point. He's had some simulated games, simulated at bats, facing live pitching. I would imagine that they'll send him out on a rehab assignment, um, you know, sometime maybe by the end of the week. And it would not at all surprise me if, uh, if he, um, you know, is back next week. I saw uh, our buddy Eric Bullen tweeted something before, uh, just in the last hour or so, uh, from a scout who watched him play uh, at the team's minor league complex, and he said he hit a real long home run to right center and appeared to be moving around well, so could be encouraged by that. So I think you're, you know, you're getting closer to seeing Judge come back, which obviously is, you know, baseball's not, we talk about this with Trout all the time, baseball's not a game where one guy can carry a team, but if there is one guy who can carry a team mm-hmm. that's not named Otani, Judge is probably the closest thing we have to that. Mark, appreciate your time as always, my friend. Thanks so much. That's wonderful. Thank you. You got it, fellas. Uh, is it August 2nd yet? <laughs> not yet. <laughs> it's getting right. there, though. That's not the answer I was looking for, but uh, <laughs> check, check back with me in seven days and make sure I'm still alive. Uh, you will be. I got <laughs> you faith in you, it. my friend. Keep it going. Hey, at least you didn't have a tree fall on you like passing, so, you know, that's no excuse, good. man. <laughs> That's that's very true. I really can't complain when my buddy's uh, laid up with a broken back right now. So we're sending lots of good thoughts and lots of healing uh, thoughts to my buddy Jeff. Hope he's hope he's feeling better. Yeah. Thanks, Mark. Be well. See ya. All right. Thanks, Jeff. Mark Feinstein's executive reporter with MLB.com and uh, an MLB Network insider. Randall Grichik in Yankee Stadium. Uh, Grichik has seven career home runs at Yankee Stadium. 79 batting average. It's interesting. He is a guy that's getting a lot of play. Um, you know, as 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 a right hand hitting out earlier who can play a couple of positions for you. And somebody would somebody will add Randall Grisham. Yeah, on the defensive side, he's okay. Offensively, what's he bringing? Different, different look. I, I mean, he's there, on a, on a team on a team that wants to go on a bit of a run and needs a right hand hitting outfielder. I'd take him. You would? I'd take him. Yeah, I don't want to play every day for me. But, uh, again, it gets back to – that's why I brought up the Braves question. Yeah, it's just – it's a matter of of making your team different. Like, if you can't make your team demonstrably better and you're not happy with the way it's going, then make it different. You know, and, and that's, yeah, I think that, the Braves had – they had an opportunity because they had some dudes hurt. So you could fill in the blanks with more than a couple of but, guys, okay, which made it a little really, bit easier. But that's well, would that no, make it easier for the Blue Jays? I, I get your point with the Blue that's Jays. That's kind of counterintuitive. Make, you're trying to make it look different because of what you're seeing now. It's like, just not working out. Here, I mean, they're the in a playoff spot, but it just it just doesn't look right consistently. Here's, here's the thing: you aren't going to replace Springer. You aren't going to replace Guerrero. You aren't going to replace Bichette. If you really wanted to be creative, Chapman's a free agent. If you really wanted to be creative, but you're not going to be creative. He's also, you know, he's, he's, I mean, right now, he's a pretty important part of your team. So you've got Chapman. Merrifield, you know, Merrifield, to me, can be in the outfield. Or you can have him at second base. I'm fine with that. Kiermaier, not going to replace him. I I mean, you're looking basically at guys who are going to take at-bats from Varsho. You know, Kirk and Jansen are going to be a thing. I mean, they just are. Uh, and, and and then it gets down to Brandon Belt, who 
You know, Brandon Bell. If, if Brandon Bell, if Brandon Bell keeps can keep getting on base and somebody else drives him in, that's fine. Like I'm, I'm not saying there isn't a place in this lineup for Brandon Bell, but it's got to look a little different to maximize what he brings this team. And um, yeah, I don't. You know, boy, Mark. Like hearing Mark run down those names. Other again, than Cody. They, well, who would you want? I, yeah. I mean, they they rather do. have the two arms in the bullpen and another starter. That's me. Yeah, They're well, trying, trying I mean, out pitching. If I don't have to give up any, I take run prevention is all they've been preaching all year in spring training. Well, Try and, that. Then, and then a guy like maybe if I don't have to give anything up for again, if if, if Tim Anderson's going to cost me Max Castillo or whatever the hell something like that, then I'm fine. Does Tim Anderson move the needle? But it again, it it's not it's not a matter. Of, did Whit Merrifield move the needle no, for you but last a year? No, brainer in the seventh inning would move the needle. Give yeah. us a, give it that. You don't think John would want that? Stop talking pockets going into the playoffs. You, you but you, you can't. You can do both. Uh, th- that's exa- exactly exactly oh, do both. Exactly what I'm saying. If you if you if you aren't going to get that impactful hitter, then try to get that bullpen arm, and then maybe take a step down and get an Adam Duvall, Duvall guy instead of that that impact hitter. But this gets back to the whole thing. Until you know what you have with Chad Green. Like you, you've only got so many innings to go around, yep. and yeah, you talk about an eighth, an eighth inning no no brainer. If you get Jordan Hicks, that's a no brainer. If it does hard, that's a no brainer. It's better than Eric Swanson. Uh, yeah, I give you that. Okay, so you've got Swanson, Green, Richards, Mesa, Jimmy Garcia still there, Cabrera. Yeah, it's a little bit of overkill. It's a little bit of overkill. That that's that's why the the whole idea of adding that bullpen arm, like if the Jays add a bullpen arm, if they come away from the trade deadline and, and all they've done is added a bullpen arm and made their bullpen better, is that enough? Same lineup that hasn't been able to score runs for three months now. Bullpen, you, uh, bullpen hasn't cost this team a lot of games. Well, okay, there you go. You could flip it on the side and say the only reason we're at where we're at is the starting pitching the in the pitching. bullpen. Yeah. So let's add to it. Let's sort of fill in the blanks. I guess instead let's, of trying to, I guess if you want to make lay your, a band aid over whatever we're bringing in offensively. Well, I, if you'd rather I, I again make your pitching, make your pitching better, but is, is it going to matter if you're not going to score runs? The end of the day, is it going to matter? Worked so far. Well, it hasn't. Well, they're, it hasn't. They're in a wild card spot, so it has. Yeah, but this has been a disappointing year. Well, it has, but it for the would team. be well, worse it hasn't worked. if the pitching was worse. Well, yeah, it, That's the point. Yeah, it'd be worse if, it'd be worse if Springer, Graham, Bichette were hurt. But, I mean, this is I, – I, I guess if you're happy the way things have gone, add more pitching. Well, nobody's happy. Well, then – But you're just not bringing in a guy to be bringing him in. You want to make your team better. And would be bringing nobody. just a guy in. A Tim Anderson make your team better? I, well, maybe. Again – does it make it well, better? I don't know. Does it make it different? Yep. How would it make it different? I mean, he's sitting as about the same as everybody else is. How's that different? I think you could probably play him. If it was Tim him, Anderson you, you play, two years ago, absolutely. You could play him at second base and move Merrifield to the outfield every day. Well, I, that would take away Varsho at bats. That so would fine. Make That's it look fine. A take away Varsho at bats. But you're replacing Varsho with a right-handed version this year Yeah. in Tim Anderson. I like I, it, I think, That's what I'm saying. Like, I, I don't – what we're sitting here saying is it's a tough, it's a tough solution. I like it's not a because Cody Bellinger is the solution. Everybody else is trying to get Cody. That's the thing, right? 
that wants a bat. That's the point. Uh, we have got tickets to give away to see the Jays and Angels down at the Rogers Center. We will do that in a few minutes. Jose Moda joins us as well. It's Blair and Barker on the Sportsnet Radio Network and Sportsnet. Discussing the biggest stories that matter to Toronto sports fans. The Fan Morning Show with Ailish Forfar and Justin Cuthbert. Subscribe and download the show on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. We've been giving you the chance to win Blue Jays tickets all season long here in Blair and Barker, whether you listen on the radio or on our podcast. All you have to do is text the correct answer to our daily baseball trivia question to 590-590. You like that song way too much, Barker. Our last trivia question answer was in the year 2000. The Angels and Blue Jays each had four hitters who hit 30 or more home runs. Of the eight players, name the two who played for both the Angels and Blue Jays at one point in their career. The answers were Troy Gloss and Brad Fulmer. Today's question is to win tickets to see the Jays and Angels down at the Rogers Center on July 30th. In 1971, the Mets traded Nolan Ryan to the California Angels. Which future Blue Jays manager did they get in return? Again, in 1971, the Mets traded Nolan Ryan to the California Angels. Which future Blue Jays manager did they get in return? Text the answer to 590-590 for your shot to win. See rules at sportsnet.ca slash 590. Looking ahead to uh, the uh, Angels series against the uh, Jays, it looks like Shohei Otani is going to pitch Friday now. Originally, he was not going to uh, pitch in this series, but I see that the the Angels have, or the Dodgers, the Angels have uh, put Otani in as uh, the guy who will be pitching, possibly pitching this week. I'm weekend. glad. Um, I want to see it. Yeah, we haven't uh, haven't seen the uh, you know anything that would suggest otherwise. Hmm. But I know that because originally there was a report that they were going to uh, that the Jays would miss Otani. Um, ten ten will be the first pitch tonight as the Jays and Dodgers continue their three-game series at Dodger Stadium. Chris Bassett on the mound against Julio Urias. Jose Mota is the Dodgers analyst. He joins us on Blair and Barker. Jose, thanks so much for joining uh, Kevin and myself today. We uh, greatly appreciate your time. I guess we'll, we'll just get started. The, the, uh, the Dodgers have just made a deal to bring Kike Hernandez back to L.A. They've... Uh, Sent a couple of minor league pitchers to the uh, to the Red Sox in return for that. Um, first of all, where does Kike fit into what the Dodgers want to do? And, and and secondly, do you anticipate the Dodgers being active at the trade deadline? I, you know, I look at this team and I keep thinking they could probably use. This sounds odd considering what we usually think of the Dodgers, but they could probably use another starting pitcher or two. Hey, Jess, Kevin, uh, great to be on with you guys. Always good to connect with the people in Toronto and uh, a city that I dearly miss mm. uh, after 20 years with the Angels. I mean, one of my favorite stops. Um, um, you know what? Uh, Kike obviously philosophically fits into a team that right now could use versatility from a right-handed bat. And Kike has been a person that through the years has proven that he can play in the big moments. 
He can handle left-handed pitching quite well. He can help you in different positions. And, you know, Kike brings a, a different perspective, a lot of energy, um, the ability to say, I've gone through the grind already. And for the Dodgers, you know, it feels a, a need that they've had. And uh, even Dave Roberts, the manager, has addressed it the last week or so during the last road trip that there's a right-handed bat missing because you want to compliment J.D. Martinez, obviously, and Muncie, uh, along with Will Smith. And Kike obviously has a pedigree already to know that um, here he's done quite well. And, and the Dodgers have had – little bit of a lack of uh, success, I would say, when it comes down to facing left-handed starters. Mm. Those games in which they were not able to manufacture the way they do against right-handers. And I think Kike is perfect. And, uh, you know, the trade is ideal for both. And two guys over in Boston are going to get an opportunity not to uh, do their thing over with, with Alex Cora. Uh, Jason Hayward hit a home run last night on a 3-2 fastball. He looks different. I, I, I'm not real sure what the big difference is. I know the hitch sort of is, is gone. He's got an opportunity to at least give himself a competitive chance to get the head out. That's what he's trying to do, right? This this where he's at in his career, what team he's on. And if he wants to play a little bit more, it's about getting the barrel out in front of the plate. It, what's the biggest difference with him? Because he just looks like most big leaguers who have been around a long time, as you well know, need to just, when they get a pitch and you're watching them and you think that pitch should be hit hard, it should be hit hard. It looks to me like he's capable of doing that now. Why? He is. I think his swing path is way different. You know, uh, Jay through the years have been a guy that has not gotten to fastballs. I mean, now that we have all the analytical stuff and we're just not basing it off of our eyes saying, you know, this guy's not catching up with a fastball. And, you know, as a former player, I remember when I play the infield and I would visit the mound sometimes and just kind of remind guys of what I'm seeing from the swings because as a hitter that, you know, obviously failed a lot. <laughs> I could read a lot of things that perhaps could help my pitchers out. But now with Jason, it's a matter of, he knows who he is. He stands way off the plate. He understands that he can handle certain pitches way better than others. And now also with Freddie Freeman, let me tell you, man, it's been a drastic change in his mentality, getting out of Chicago, not playing with the pressure of the big contract. to have to carry this ball club. And he has been just a, quite a pleasure to have around. But I'll tell you what, nobody expected to see Jason Hayward with 10 home runs at this point. He had one last year at a point where they actually did not even need his spot on the roster, and they let him go, you know, early, you know, out of their plans. And uh, he's been more than welcome to in the clubhouse, uh, a guy that's been influential in, in guys like James Outman, uh, Trace Thompson himself when he was active. And, and I think you welcome guys like that because he's gone through the grind. And you know what? He does have a World Series championship under him. Uh, Jose, when you look at the top of this Dodgers lineup, you've got Mookie and, and Freddie Freeman. I mean, you, you've been around the game a long time. It, it's, it's harder to imagine a, it's harder to imagine a more perfect one too, is it? It is hard, man. I mean, and obviously I'm going to be a little biased. It's just like, you know, and I come from a time when, you know, we have Mr. Trout over there with the angels yeah. and you're like, well, this one, two would show him. And you're going, wait a minute. But when you look at Mookie Betts, and then you look at Freddie Freeman. Let's talk about the entire package now, okay? Let's look at the base running and not necessarily stolen bases. Let's look at what they do on the bases. Let's look at what they do in the batter's box. Let's look at what they do in the clutch time. And these are the guys that you want to see up there when the game's on the line. Now, they also take a lot of pride in defense. Man, we cannot forget about defense. We, we talk so much about offense, yes, Everybody is going to get paid because of the offensive thing. But, you know, to help your guys out on the mound, you got to go out there and make some plays. Freddie Freeman has not committed an error this year, mm. which is crazy. And he's not one of these passive first basemen. He is aggressively playing the position. 
like a shortstop. He's going after everything. He's making every single throw. And then you look at the ability they have to change a game with one swing or the ability they have to have a deep at bat and carry it on and pass the baton to the next guy. So in terms of the one, two, it will be hard to find. And I know that guys I've talked to around the league that are pitchers are like, Oh my God, you know, that, you know, the bottom of the order turns around and he comes to the top of the order. You got to deal with Mookie and Freddie. And then obviously Will Smith too. With Chris Bassett throwing tonight, what do you think the approach will be one through nine with this order because of names on the back, been there and done it before dude throws eight pitches. Like you, you can't try and cover all of them. You're going to have to split it in half. What do you think the approach one through nine will try and be against a guy that throws that many pitches? They're going to have to find out exactly what's working for him, which is if I was a hitting coach, that's what I would say. Okay, guys, he's got so many pitches. Let's find out which one he's going to go to. I saw Chris Bassett throw a lot for the Oakland Athletics in my time with the Angels, mm-hmm. and I know that he could be a guy that can go out and just say, I, I have a fastball today, I'm going to use it. And he's got so much body movement and deception that sometimes that, that 93 looks like you know 100 miles an hour on you. And I would say one through nine, they're going to be patient to see exactly which zone he's going to be working on. And then Obviously, you want them to adjust as the lineup turns around. They did something recently over in Texas against uh, against uh, Dunning, where he's a guy that averaged 91 miles an hour. Bassett throws harder than that, but he was trying to be so fine they were not swinging at pitches. And there's a control guy. They forced him to make so many pitches. And recently, they did it also against Justin Verlander in New York. He walked six guys, which is not Justin Verlander-like, but. They are not afraid to take that close pitch and force you to elevate, make a mistake. And I think against Bassett, also you've got to slow him down, man, because he can get into a pace where he's really accelerating your pace in, in the batter's box. And hitters, even with a clock, you have a chance to just get there in time and know that this guy's going to come right after you. That's why I think, to me, Chris Bassett is a throwback, man. He's like, here's what I got. I'm going to give it all right now. And it should be a fun game between he and Julio Rios here tonight. You just mentioned the clock, and you have a bunch of older guys in this lineup. Has that been a big deal? Like, has that changed what they're trying to do? Has it changed approaches? Like, if they had to add in how to figure out how to combat that and not worry about sort of that part of it and worry about seeing ball, hit ball kind of thing? It's part of the game, and I think, you know, Guys have figured out that, you know, in spring training, obviously, you're like, okay, wait a minute, i got to be there in, uh, within eight seconds. Okay, uh, that's number one. But also, I've seen a lot of guys, as the year has progressed, understand that they are entitled to that timeout, and they've used it smartly. And where you see a lot of guys are getting rushed maybe the first month of the season, then you saw more guys managing the clock a little bit better for themselves, saying, i got to take this timeout right now. I know I only have one per plate appearance, but I'm going to take it at this time. So I think with the veteran team, uh, the one thing you don't, you don't, you're not going to see is excuses because you have the Freemans and you have obviously the J.D. Martinez. They have done it. Jason Hayward himself, Mookie, to say, hey, guys, these are the rules, and they're the same for everybody, so let's not use a clock at any type of excuse. But also let's make sure that because of the clock as hitters, don't get rushed into being ready because you see the clock, the pitcher sees it, the umpire sees it. So make sure that everybody is pretty much on an even queue, understanding that uh, it's all on the same pace. Uh, but the one thing you don't want to do is just allow that pitcher to get into a groove where he's manipulating it by, you know, speeding up your process in the batter's box. Yeah. Uh, Jose, how do you explain Julio Arias's season? Oh, my God. Roller coaster. Uh, Julio mm-hmm. at home has been absolutely amazing. I mean, at home, Julio's 5-1 and one with a 2.15, 179 average against him. On the road, he's 2-5, and five, 7.8. I mean, how do you explain a 5-plus ERA difference home and road and Julio has been 
inconsistent. There's no doubt about it. The first inning is his problem inning, so keep an eye on that tonight. First inning goes well. Second inning goes well. Julio is going to be on, and Julio is a guy that does not give in. He is very aggressive. Uh, last time out in Baltimore, he got penalized by a couple of bloopers here and there, but also by the fact that he just could not get out of his own way with a lead and just could not execute pitches. The Baltimore Orioles got to him by making great adjustments, but for Julio, he has proven to be a money pitcher second half of the season throughout his career, but as I say, that's the pass. Now is Julio Rios is going to become a free agent, which is a version we're going to see tonight, especially after bouncing back, wanting to bounce back after a tough start in Baltimore because the Dodgers truly need him to be the guy that can anchor this rotation the rest of the season. Last question for you before we let you run. I know you're now a Dodgers analyst. You did spend a lot of time with the Angels. I think you know what the question's going to be. The trade deadline is approaching. Where do you think Shohei Otani is on August 1st at 6.30 p.m. Eastern? Right now, today, uh, he's an angel. He is, eh? He's an angel. Yeah. I I just don't see the Angels. Uh, the, The Angels have to be blown away. By I mean, you sending half of a rotation for Shohei Otani <laughs> and some prospects for them to make that trade. He's just too valuable to the organization. And then talking to some Angels friends over there, they're like, you know, people talk about Shohei, but we're we're we think we have a chance to you know do something here. Right. You know, it could be that they had a piece or two. Realistically, it's going to be quite hard. But I know that you got to balance out now as an owner, as an organization going forward. Do we just lose this guy on free agency and get nothing but, you know, a draft pick? Or do we get a package that's going to, you know, propel us moving forward to for the rest of the, you know, three or four years down the line? And then at the same time, do you want to be known as the person, the owner, the general manager that traded Shohei Otani? But these are things you got to take a chance on understanding what's best for the organization. What I would not be surprised is if the Angels make an offer to Shohei Otani, him being an Angel, and want to keep him there, you know, in the long term because uh, the organization, let's put it this way, has way more value with him in it than with Shohei Otani out of it. Mm. Jose, thanks so much for joining us, my friend. It's yeah. great to hear your voice again. Terrific insight as always. Thank you so much. Thanks, man. Be oh, well. Yes, Kevin. Take care. Oh, you guys too. Take care. Thank Bye-bye. You. Jose Moda, uh, long-time analyst, former Major League player, long-time analyst. I still haven't seen a Jays lineup for tonight. Uh, the Dodgers lineup is Betts, Freeman, Smith, Muncie, Martinez, Peralta, Hayward, Outman, and uh, Miguel Rojas. As I said, I have not seen a Jays lineup. I am just checking right now to see if that has been updated. But uh, uh, no such uh, no such luck. Um, we'll go to the back leg line, 416-413-3959. Your chance to ask questions, leave comments for Kevin Barker. Before we do that... Uh, MLB Network just had, we were, as we were listening to Jose talk, they had a live shot of the Cincinnati Reds on the field uh, before the game. And they were doing a drill. Now, I maybe, I, I haven't seen it before, but they had two pylons stuck into the ground and a a rope or a, yeah, a rope between them. Now, mm-hmm. uh, and, and the MLB Network had Harold Reynolds trying to explain it. Was that just simply... Because it looked to me like they were getting their guys. The idea was to line up your feet properly yep. for a lead and then turn the right way. It was just, it was interesting. And they spent a lot of time focusing. And it was Ellie De La Cruz yeah. that was doing a lot of the yeah, work I there. I don't think it was about turning the right way. I, I think it was more about direction. 
Okay. It, it was like you're trying to first move because of when you steal a base, even when you go first to third. First move is very important, right? That's sort of your jump. That sort of sets your lane. That gets everything headed in the right direction. Because they weren't doing it a, a long way, right? It was a right. couple of steps. They were shutting it down. So it was more about just direction. It was interesting, low, though, to see that at this point in, in the year. Yeah, I mean, that's not sure you'd see the Dodgers doing that. Yeah. That's sort of the difference, right? So, I, yeah, look, you're, you're, you're developing yeah. and you're trying to win all at the same time and a, and a young team. And, you know, the Reds are up and coming. That's, that's kind of fun to watch that end season. You're not trying to overwhelm them. It's been yeah. a long season, right? It's a marathon. You're not trying to wear them out. It's mm-hmm. just that first move. It's memory, muscle memory, right? That if I can do it there, that first move, I can feel it when I'm in the game. Second nature to me. So, yeah, I, I kind of like that. 416-413-3959 in the back leg line. Steve in Brighton, Ontario. I just wanted to uh, have your opinion on, uh, you were talking about Springer and Bichette only having 3.5 pitches they ever walked. Do they, do they ever, should the manager tell them to maybe take a walk once in a while or look at more than one pitch? The last three times I've watched Springer, he swung at the first pitch every time. Anyway, just uh, wanted your opinion on it. Guys, have a great day. Thanks. Yeah, Steve, that's a, that's a solid question. Look, they're hitting at the top of the order for a reason, right? That, 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 I think, is what you have to remember, is because they're two of your better, if not your best hitters, other than Vladdy. And they're both if aggressive they're, guys. They are very aggressive. They're, they're trying to do damage on pitches early in counts. They don't want to get to two strikes. That's sort of the thing, right, is, you know, how do you not strike out? You don't get to two strikes. You don't let them get to your weakness. But, Steve, I'm with you. I'm, I'm not saying that the manager – walks up to a guy that's making 150 million people roll their eyes it's a thing you, the more money you make it's very hard for you know people well, you're to making that money for the, a reason absolutely. you made that money because it's of what you've been doing very at this point. hard for a manager or a coach to say do it this way forget about how much money you're making and the reason why you're making it do it sort of this way make an adjustment and you know, they, they feel like it's it's sort of like that Justin Smoke thing. I used to ask Gibby all the time, why is the Justin Smoke trying to hit the ball the other way? You see the guy standing, you know, the second baseman right in front of the right fielder, and his answer was to me every single time I would ask it. That's the reason why he made it to the big leagues. Ain't going to change. He's in the big leagues for that reason because he pulls the baseball. So, yeah, I think this is something you need to get used to. I I, I do think when George, not not too passive, but when he is taking early in counts, the mindset of a swing first mentality, but is trying to split the plate in half and say, I'll give you this because it's 0-0, it's 1-0, it's 1-1, it's not with two strikes. He's one of the better hitters in baseball. When he's not and he's very aggressive, he hits lollipop, mm-hmm. line drives to the second baseman for double plays with the bases loaded. So Steve, I'm with you. I just think it's a very tough sale. And Bo Bichette's having a really good season. I, they, you know, and they paid Bo Bichette. He's your everyday shortstop. It's very hard to have these conversations. It's because they're having success and they're your everyday guys. But I'm sure they have had little conversations that would say, stay within yourself, try and get a better one earlier. If you do, because you're very talented. You will hit the ball very hard, and you'll help this team win games. It's how you sell it, Steve. You know, you just can't be very forceful mm. with guys who are hitting at the top of your order because sometimes those dudes are sensitive. You got to sell it to them right, and I'm sure they've been trying to do that. Yeah, it's uh, 
it, it does explain, though. I mean, you've talked about this a lot. <coughs> Pardon me. It explains very much why Brandon Belt is where he is in the lineup. Absolutely. I've had numerous conversations with John Snyder exactly that reason and said because we've gotten a lot of calls and people yeah, are rolling yeah. their eyes about why he's hitting third. He's hitting third because the dude, two dudes in front of him sometimes have three pitches with two outs, and then Vladdy really doesn't know having, having it a bat after that. You need a veteran guy who does. That's Brandon Bell. Leslie in Alberta. I don't have anything about the trade deadline, but I have a question about what happened in the game yesterday against Los Angeles when their pitcher was told to change his pants. And I have a big problem with the fact that he's allowed to return to the game if they thought he was cheating with a substance on his pants. And if there was a substance on his pants, why did they let him come back and play the game? This, in my opinion, is cheating. And I'd like to know what you guys think about that. I think it's unacceptable if a member on any team is caught cheating, that member should be kicked out of the game and the team should forfeit the game. Yeah, I don't know about forfeiting the game. I'd hate to be the person to come on and tell the uh, sixty or 50,000 fans that uh, the game is over in the second inning because the team is forfeited. Uh, the, you know, look, this is uh, – your point is well made. It's one reason – it's one reason I don't like what we have seen a couple of times where pitchers have been told to go in. You know, we had that issue with the Mets or the Yankees, right? Go in, uh, wipe your hands off. Uh, your hands are too sticky. You come back out. They're still too sticky. I, I, I'm with you in that regard. The pants thing, I wasn't all that certain about because I don't know if and again, you know, maybe John Schneider grants. I don't know if the Jays complained about it. It could be that the umpire just noticed it. Jeff Nelson. Jeff Nelson just noticed it and, you know, said, you've got to go in and change your pants. Mm-hmm. It is interesting. Dude comes out with different pants. I look different looking pitcher. Um, the Fair results. Point. Fair point. <laughs> the results were not as good as with the, mm-hmm. the dirty pants. But, um, yeah, I listen. It looked to me like Jeff was touching that part of his pant yeah. to make sure that it wasn't super sticky. I, I could see, I could tell, obviously I wasn't there, but I could tell on TV that he had taken his glove off. He was rubbing his hand around his glove. He touched his hand. I, you could tell he was rubbing his hand over his hand yeah. to make sure his hands and they weren't also- very sticky. So it might have been a combination of pine tar, they thought, and yeah. maybe a little dirt. That hit was very, you know, you could tell he's sweating quite a bit, and he was rubbing his hand down his his pants to sort of, you know, wipe the sweat off his hand. See, I'm in the camp that I don't mind that. You know, I'm pretty hard on Jeff Nelson. He's he's a tough take sometimes. Like he takes things a little over the top. I think her like look over here at me. I'm an umpire. I don't think that was sort of what he was trying to do there. No, but we saw a World Series game where Kenny Rogers got in trouble for doing that. Yeah. I, I I don't know how I you know what in that case I'm probably okay with going and going and change and come back out. I don't like though the your hands are too sticky. Go and clean them off and then come yeah, back. I don't out. like that either. I don't like that because no, no, that no. to me suggests there's more of a chance that that was done deliberately than guy going You're like that. You're giving me a chance to get away pen. with it. But again, it, yeah, it, it would be interesting to know if the Jays noticed it. If the Jays if the Jays brought it up. Um, you know, I I would think that that would probably be part of it, but I I, I didn't have an issue with it at the time. But Leslie, I I, I can't see your point. It, it is, is a fair, fair point. point. The Absolutely. rules are the rules are the rules. Yeah. Uh, 
And not sure about getting thrown out, but again, and I, I do I think you need to remember Jeff Nelson is a is is he's a he's, he's a tough. He's is that the word to use? Tough umpire. I wouldn't. Say, is that the word? I don't. I don't even know. You what know the what word he is? is? No. You know what the word is? I don't. He's intrusive. Jeff Nelson loves putting himself uh, in the there, game. There he's the go. guy that called Kevin Gossman for box. The, yeah. the two box. And he, the thing I, there is a thing, this is going to surprise you, there is a thing I don't like about umpires. I can basically, as long as they're part of the game and going to be employed, I can basically put up with anything. Don't put yourself in the middle of the game. Like to me, if you've had a, not a good night at the plate, but by and large, other than that, no one's noticed you. Okay, mm-hmm. you had a bad night at the plate. That happens. I don't like guys who put themselves front and center when it comes to things like, uh, like, like the Bach move, or or even the even even the sticky stuff. To me, there's a way of getting it done without making you the focal point. I'm going to stick up for Jeff. It was obvious. I'm going to say in this t- time, good for him. I mean, it's obvious that it was it all down his pants. And, and I'll say this. And it, he was checking his pants and rubbing. You could tell he's and touching I, it, rubbing it. And, and I'll say this. It didn't seem like anybody had a problem with it. Uh, maybe that. Maybe the Jays did. Maybe they brought it up and said, no, you but I mean, that. it didn't seem like anybody oh, had a problem with what he did. Like Dave Roberts just kind of shrugged. But it would be interesting to know if, uh, if, if it was a result of something that Jay said or didn't say. 10-10 will be the first pitch tonight. 4-10 is the first pitch tomorrow. Uh, we will have Blue Jays talk tomorrow following the game on the Sportsnet Radio Network. That's it for Barker. That's it for me. I mean, it's not it for you, but today it is. It's it for Barker. It's it for me today. Have yourself a great night.